1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Tuesday edition of Round Ball Stew on NBC Sports Edge. I am your host, Ryan Kanas. With me as usual, my co-host, Jared Johnson. We're going to talk today about the return of Ja Morant and Paul George. We're going to talk about what Tyler Hero's return might mean for the beat-up heat in guys like Max Struess, and a bunch of players with short-term opportunities coming their way, a lot of streaming value due to COVID and health and safety protocols which are simply decimating rosters around the league. That's pretty much going to dominate not only this podcast, but fantasy managers thinking for at least a week to come. But in the meantime, if you like this podcast, please do rate and review us on iTunes or Spotify. It, Spotify now allows reviews. It really does help us. We appreciate it. But without further ado, Jared, your guy, was back on Monday night. I'll let you kick off the show with an, an exciting positive news. Let's go.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so Mr. Ja Morant returned to the court last night. It was beautiful. He put up 16 points, scored efficiently, eight dimes, some of those incredibly impressive six boards, two steals and a block, and a loss to the Thunder. Now, interestingly, despite Ja coming back and playing incredibly and looking fantastic, apparently he was getting some smack talk from the fans' court side. And and one of our blurbs today, I believe you posted this. This is a quote from Ja Morant. Running down the court, I heard some of our fans courtside telling me to sit back down. I just want to know what they wanted to get out of that. I feel like that just makes it worse. Normally, when anyone says anything about me, it fuels me. Tonight, the remarks from those fans actually hurt. But I'll do what I normally do and bounce back. Very excited to see the next game. So... Like, imagine the headspace you have to be. Those tickets aren't cheap to be close enough for the players to hear what you're saying. Imagine spending all that money to talk smack to one of the best players you've had on your franchise since Marcus Gasol. Probably when all is said and done, he'll be far better than Marcus Gasol. He'll be far better than Zach Randolph. He'll be far better than Mike Conley ever was. I don't understand this. I mean, it's a great way to get rid of the best player that has ever graced your franchise in the past 30 years. So keep at it, Grizzlies fans. Keep talking smack to this legendary point guard, awesome human being, Mr. Ja Morant. I believe there are some fantasy implications from this news, but I had to just get that off my chest if you would like to. <laughs>
1: Le- legendary already for John Morant. Legendary. Okay, I know he's got. Does he have a legendary moment in Top Shot, Jared? Yes, he probably does. He's- okay, so he's technically legendary in at least one sense. So <laughs> that was a correct factual statement. Yeah, I, listen, I don't understand this. It always upsets me because in this instance, for all we know, now I wasn't watching the game, but it, this wasn't a chant from the crowd that he should sit back down. For all we know, it's just a handful of rotten apples. Who get caught up in what happens every single time a player is out and their team wins a handful of games? Now the Grizzlies played very well without John Morant. They were, I believe, ten and two in the games that he missed. That does not make them a better team without John Morant. I hate when these narratives surface. It's so dumb. Like the Warriors will win a couple games without Steph. Now maybe he doesn't get yeah. get this treatment. He's one of the few exceptions. But it's unbelievable that a player like John Morant, a franchise cornerstone, will be treated as you said by by fans with courtside seats like this. And it's a reminder that these are human beings, that they do hear what you say, even though they're out there and they, you know, they seem larger than life. They hear what's being said and it affects them. And it's just interesting. And I'm kind of glad that he said, like, hey, that, you know, that hurt me to hear the fan base that was chanting, you know, MVP for me on opening night. And he's in the race for, you know, MVP and so forth and most improved for sure. Yeah, to have the fan base disrespect him like that, but he's going to be off social media for a while. And you know, all the true Grizzlies fans, the people who know what's what, need to step up and send this man some love. But
2: and he was he was playing incredibly well. Like he was he was diving out of bounds for loose balls. Like, <laughs> yeah, and you're going to tell him to sit down? Like you think Tyus Jones is the answer? Get the, get out. <laughs> speaking of, oh, anyways, Tyus no, of. Thank you. <laughs>
1: He was already out last night with a finger injury, but when he returns, he's going to be back in a reserve role, which is, I fear death for his fantasy value. Now, he was fantastic while Morant was out, an excellent streaming play. Kudos to all you who scooped him up and took advantage of that. However, off the bench this season, he's averaging 15.7 minutes compared to 30.5 minutes as a fill-in starter. So his, uh, you know, Jones's value is essentially toast. He and Morant have shared the court for a total of 60 minutes all season. In those minutes, they had a minus 29.5 net rating. So That's not great. yeah, not great. And not something that I expect to see much of going forward. Hence the playing time I just cited is probably gonna, where he's going to fall 15, maybe 20 minutes a game. That's about it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty much over for Tyus, I think. If you picked him up while John Morant was out, you enjoyed the ride and now it's time to send him back to the waiver wire. Yeah, cut him.
1: Do you, you know, not as bad news for D'Anthony Milton for sure. It might just be around maybe two cutting his fantasy value. But to me, the bigger problem isn't John Morant returning here. It's what happened while John Morant was out or what didn't happen. And that's De'Anthony Milton really mm-hmm. taking off his minute spiking, you know, potentially even starting, but Jones was so good in that role. So give me your take on what, you know, what does this mean for D, for De'Anthony Melton if he's not even going to start or play a, you know, he played a bigger role without Morant for sure, but it, it wasn't what we wanted to see. It certainly wasn't what our colleague Jonas Nader wanted to see famously in love with the man. So what do you, what do you, what do you
2: make of Mel, Melton out of that? <laughs> I feel like Jonas might feel the way about Melton how I do about John Morant, but I just don't get it. Maybe I need to sit down and have a chat, but I, I've never understood this obsession with Melton. Before John Morant went down, he was on the waiver wire in most places. And honestly, he could have stayed there while Morant was out. He wasn't doing much. His career shooting splits are 41, 34, 76.8. He's never averaged more than three assists per game on a season, nor has he ever seen more than 25 minutes a night, nor has he ever cracked the top 90 in fantasy hoops. Like, are we obsessed with his per 36-minute averages? Because I think this is an excellent situation where those per 36 numbers are completely irrelevant. Do you happen to know how many times in in his career, through his first four years in the league, he's cracked 36 minutes? Hmm. Since you're asking, it's probably low. So I'm going to say, I'll say nine times. Once. Ooh. Wow. One time. Yeah. It's, it's just not going to happen. It's never going to huh. happen. So, I don't get it. He, like, here's his averages without John ja Morant. 11.1 points, 4.4 rebounds, 3.3 assists, 1.7 triples, 1.8 steals. I, I mean, I guess the steals are nice. Okay. Mm-hmm. He's, mm-hmm. he's just like a steal specialist, in my opinion. I, I, I would not be attached to him. I would, I would not hesitate to return him to the waiver wire. I wouldn't
1: go that far to say he's just a SEAL specialist, but he's a guy who's not going to hurt your, or help, but rather your percentages. He'll get some dimes, he'll get some boards, and he'll hit some threes. So there, there is some across the board appeal, but I love your point about 36 minutes and that stat really hit home that he's only played 36 <laughs> minutes once. Four years. And Yeah, and we we talk frequently about the, you know, how misleading per 36 stats can be for a variety of reasons. Uh, What I would love to see, and if I can develop one over time, I will, but, and if anyone listening knows if this exists, please send me a link, but I would love to see a kind of calculator where you could put in any player in the, a minute. So let's say 28 minutes or 24 minutes or 26 and have their stats based on their current season averages or career averages, whatever you like, you can pick different filters, automatically return those values. So if you say, well, D'Anthony Milton's per 36 are kind of irrelevant, but what's he doing? Per 28 what's he doing per 32 maybe i would love to have those just readily available because i think that would give a truer reflection of this kind of minute-based potential rather than just constantly referring to per 36 which is unrealistic yeah but i'm with you a little bit overblown there so he was top 100 without morant in the lineup yeah if there's if there are compelling players on your waiver wire or if you're in a 12 team league that has pretty shallow bench you know, Sorry, Jonas, but I'm with Jared on this one. I'm not totally against cutting him loose. All right. There was more good news on Monday, however. Paul George returned from an yeah. elbow injury. He was out for five games. The Clippers lost in his return, but PG-13 scored 25 points. He had six times, six rebounds, three steals, three triples in 31 minutes. I watched the game. He was attacking comfortably. He looked good. He had his normal change of pace kind of game going, which is... One of the more I I love watching him play and I love watching specifically for that move when he drives and just kind of goes into matrix slow motion when he when he hits the paint and defenders cannot react to it. It's fascinating. (laughs) So anyway, I love it. Great watching him. He's on a bunch of my fantasy teams, So I was particularly happy there. impact on teammates, obvious and pretty stark. Luke Kennard plummeted. He had five points on two of eight shooting zero elsewhere. Reggie Jackson was a bust. He had 10 points on 12 shot attempts, 0 dimes in 20 minutes. Terrence Mann, and I'll I'll take get your fantasy takes on these guys in a second. Terrence Mann played a game-high 37 minutes. He picked up 11 points, 5 dimes, 4 boards and a steal. And finally, Nicholas Batum played 17 minutes off the bench and had a truly unique line of 3 points and zero other statistics to his credit so of that group canard jackson man and batum what jumps out at you now it's one game when with paul george back we you know we have a much bigger sample
2: size earlier in the season but what are you doing with with the four i just mentioned i think honestly the only clipper that i really would want on my fantasy roster is paul george in deep leagues i do have man in a couple places but zoo baby Zubots, yeah sure i guess and also, Hartenstein for, <laughs> as, a, as a streamer for blocks. But Kennard is just far too inconsistent. Reggie Jackson destroys your percentages. And Batum was particularly disappointing with Marcus Morris in quarantine. So, but also, Batum is also kind of a guy mm-hmm. that he might yeah. be a top 100 player, but it's because he'd actually he, he doesn't hurt you, but he also doesn't really help you. If that makes sense. It's just like he kind of does these nothing lines.
1: He's a better Roto guy. I think he'll subtly chip in value and you look back and go, okay, he gave me decent all around value here and there, but isn't really going to win you much in weekly leagues. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think Batum, his 17 minutes now, it's probably on the low end, but the Clippers do not want him playing 32 minutes a game. And, you know, early in the season playing a lot of minutes, but he's, he's a veteran. They need him healthy and rested for when they need him most. So I expect his minutes to stay depressed, especially with Terrence Mann stepping up and playing as well as he's playing. Yeah. I think I would give Mann a bit of a longer leash here. I mean, yeah, I don't know. He just doesn't have much of a fantasy game. I mean, his, even without PG, he was kind of hit or miss. It seems like we keep waiting on his upside. We keep waiting. Maybe flashes of what he did in the playoffs last year keep, mm-hmm. keep appearing before people's eyes, and yet that's not really what we're getting. So potentially wasted roster spot with so many streamers available. I mean, you're right,
2: yeah. I have. I, like I said, I just have him in, in like a 14-team league. So
1: Right. When it comes to Isaiah Hartenstein, I'm glad that you brought him up. He was a guy with per 36 minutes that were kind of pointless. So I actually looked up his per 30-minute averages just for a slightly more realistic take, and he's at 13.7 points on 65% shooting, nine boards, three dimes, 2.2 blocks, and 1.6 steals. Now, again, even 30 minutes probably out of reach, but that just gives you an idea that he is an all-around potential fantasy beast. So if Zubats ever goes down, and with Ibaka not looking like the guy who's necessarily going
2: to step up, let alone play heavy minutes... I'm pretty, pretty high on Hartenstein here. Yeah, he's, he's been great. He's been great. I mean, I have him in a a deep roto league simply for the shot blocking numbers, but yeah, he's he's played really good. A perfect application for him.
1: One person. So we mentioned Terrence Mann, potentially cuttable. We mentioned a couple other guys, Reggie Jackson. I didn't really weigh in on, but he does nothing for me in fantasy, just inefficient scoring. One of those guys who's Points, totals, and threes make him look a lot better than he actually is in fantasy. But let's move on because there's someone in Charlotte who I think might be popping up on waiver wires pretty soon if things keep trending as they are, and that's P.J. Washington, who has played 24, 23, and 20 minutes in his past three games. So I'm willing to throw away his averages in that span, which are just okay, but the focus here is on playing time and the minutes I just cited, is he a top 100 guy jared in his typical bench role or do you foresee him you know potentially somehow breaking through as a sixth man what what's your take on him
2: i don't know it's hard it's just because mason plumley complicates things so much we saw how well he was playing when mason plumley was out but those numbers have started to dip as mason plumley returns it it's re- that's really what where his value is rooted can he consistently earn minutes in the high 20s while mason Plumley is out there i'm not Mm -hmm. sure and so if it's in the lower 20s then he's more of kind of a deep deep league guy you know if you're in a shallower format i'll give him one more game but if it's if it's the low 20s again i i just don't know how he could be productive
1: yeah so the the problem for me and i mean you're talking to it again is is just the minutes and where they're going to come from. The hornets have a busy wing rotation. There's no real way for him to roster down in size. And I'm looking at cleaning the glass. They have ninety four percent of PJ Washington's minutes coming at center. Now, this is a man who is hmm. six foot seven. So as good as he is in that stretch five role, and you know definitely has his moments and there are certain lineups where he he excels. But it's not always going to work, and they need Mason Plumley on the court to battle those big bodies and help with the rebounding and all those other things. And, yeah, so that just leaves P.J. Washington cleaning up whatever's left over at center, especially with Miles Bridges just balling out like he is. There's not a lot of time at power right. forward. So, yeah, it's a tough spot. The playing time's not going to be there. As much as I love P.J. Washington's upside, and I like watching him as a player, I just think he's in a tough spot. So kind of a low-end guy. I'm not. I'm not cutting him. But, you know, I'm not totally against it.
2: If again, if you're in a shallow league, perhaps. And I thought that 20 minutes last night was particularly disappointing because Gordon Hayward didn't play. Hmm. So I thought maybe, you know, Miles Bridges could move to the three, play a little bit more at the three and that might open up. But like you said, he's getting pretty much all his minutes at center. so. Yeah, it's really Mason Plumlee. That's really what the deal is here.
1: Jaden McDaniels played really well too, so give we'll give him a little love real quick. Potential Jalen. What's that? Jalen. Oh yeah, you His got brother him. right. Oh I know, yeah I did it. Dr. A does that all the time. I, I fell into the <laughs> the Dr. A McDaniels trap. Oh man, it gets us all sometimes. All right, now let's move on to Miami. Tyler Hero has a quad injury. He's been out a couple games. Uh, He's questionable, could return on Tuesday. That's the latest I heard. Regardless, he's day-to-day, should return pretty soon. So my question that I'll pose to you, with Jimmy Butler still out with a bruised tailbone, he's missed seven straight games and there's no clear return date. He continues to get ruled out a day in advance. Not great. But is this the end of the line with Tyler Hero back? Both Gabe Vincent has been very productive in a starting role. Max Struess has been phenomenal. His three-pointers alone, he's winning categories for fantasy managers are you holding either of them i I think personally i'm
2: inclined to hold Struess and just cut cut vincent is that where you're at huh i was gonna say the opposite but i'm not i don't really have a strong take either way here i think you choose one of them because one of them is going to fall off i don't know i i I totally understand your logic tyler hero is a guard Struess is a forward so those minutes should you know, Vincent may get his minutes cut with Hiro back in the mix. It could also be Struis. I don't know. Vincent has played really well. I guess this is kind of like a wait and see. Like, I wouldn't prematurely cut either. Yeah. But once we see what it, what the deal is, then you cut the guy who stinks it up, I suppose. That would be my take.
1: <laughs> That's fair. I mean, we're not mind readers, so we don't know. <laughs> we don't know which way bolster is going to go with his rotation here so that's a fine approach as well struce i mean if his shots are falling he can look brilliant and you're you're a genius for streaming him on a given night but if the three pointers aren't falling he's probably going to give you nothing so definitely boomer bust type player as well so yeah if you start to see the minutes tail off forget it just get out of there yeah yeah that's all i have to say about those guys But that does lead us to a discussion of streamers for the next week.
0: Dietz Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way.
1: Before we get there, I want to remind people to download the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet and enter this week's free NBA pick and roll contest for a chance to win $50,000. This week, we are highlighting matchups between the Cavaliers and Celtics, Raptors and Bulls, and Nuggets and Thunder. So if you don't have the Predictor app yet, download it now. Jared, moving on to streaming players now. COVID, obviously, and health and safety protocols are devastating rosters around the league. I noted in our Roto World group, you know, crew Slack chat that we had 72 players listed as out with COVID and injury man- or health and safety protocols. Just the other day, there were 65 players who went out this week alone. It's crazy, and we're seeing. I mean, the NBA had to literally change rules in order to account for this. So teams must now sign replacement players when two or more guys who are under contract are forced into quarantine. It bumps up some G League players. We're going to see a lot of 10-day kind of hardship exemption contracts coming in. So there's a lot going on here, a lot of players shuffling in and out of lineups. Why don't you start us off with some names who could be streaming values in the week ahead?
2: Yeah, so two of those players who went into quarantine were Andrew Wiggins and Jordan Poole. And we saw Otto Porter have a pretty good game last night. Let me just pull up his stats really quick. He put up 12 points, two triples, efficient scoring, five boards, two assists, a steal, and four swats to go with just two turnovers in 29 minutes off the bench. Now, it was Kuminga who started but he got the Steve Kerr treatment and saw just six minutes as a starter. So I believe that it's going to be Otto Porter is the guy that you want to go grab right now. He he is very capable of producing very good stat lines if he's able to flirt with minutes in the thirties. And, and that looks like it's going to be the case moving forward. Mm, it's gross for me to get on
1: board with Otto Porter at this point, but Hey, <laughs> we're talking about temporary <laughs> streaming value in extreme circumstances. So I'll I'll have to give it to you.
2: He's injury. Pro- it's like three years removed from a top twenty season. Oh, I know. But
1: if you use that logic, we'll start talking about Kemba Walker being a great addition to your fantasy team. I mean, come on, he is
2: at the moment. Well,
1: well, again. <laughs> so I'm okay point. with the streaming value. Yeah. You. So with the streaming value, it's hard for me to wrap my head around it. But yeah, Otto Otto Porter. Hey, he he's there. It just worries me that I mean. Otto seems safer for sure than Kuminga, as we saw. But Jonathan Kuminga, now with the six minutes that effectively killed the buzz, probably destroyed a lot of DFS lineups, I'm sure, last night. For streaming purposes, I'm not willing to risk it for that very reason. After six minutes, it's hard to divine Steve Kerr's reasoning. Kuminga can be a bit out of control. He's 19 years old. He's still figuring out the game. But I will tell you, man, this guy from like a dynasty perspective... Looks like he is going to be a beast, like a handful for a long time to come. He was awesome the game prior on Saturday, scored 26 points in 36 minutes, nine of 15 shooting. He did only have one rebound, but that you know, whatever, one game a situation. This is a quote that came from our NBC Sports colleague Monty Poole of NBC Sports Bay Area. He quoted Steve Kerr saying of Kuminga, quote he kind of showed how talented he is, how young he is, how high his ceiling is, and how far he has to go all in one night, referring to Saturday. But that's the whole point of getting him reps, Kerr said. I, want, I also want him shooting threes. I want him shooting open threes. But I want him to recognize when to shoot, when to drive, and when to pass. So point being, he's still learning all these things. But when it comes to the three-point shooting, and that's huge, he was fantastic on Saturday. I think he was four of six from deep, something like that. The shots looked natural. He got them in the flow of the offense. And if he can do that with his size, his driving ability, his handles, and increasingly his passing, although he did have six turnovers the other night. Yeah, I just, he looks to me like the complete package who I am super hyped about in
2: Dynasty. I love his Dynasty potential, but we just all know that Steve Kerr is going to have him on a short leash. Dubs are 20. 20- something in six, they're playing to win. So if he makes like one mistake, he's out of there. And the same thing is not going to be true with someone like Otto Porter. So also Damian Lee is also going to be starting and he's like a nice points and triples guy, a lot less upside there, but you know, deeply points and triples could be your guy.
1: Do you have any interest? I know you, you jotted down James Wiseman. Is there anything that you see rest of season that might sell you on, on him?
2: No, I was just like, James Wiseman is a comparison for cominga Like, he Kerr oh, yeah, doesn't see. play around with rookies. Like, it doesn't right. matter what pick they are. Wiseman was number yeah. two. He averaged like 15 minutes per game towards the end and then towards the meniscus. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, and especially, you know, on a team with the record that they have and championship aspirations and two-time MVP in his prime, they're not going to mess around with a 19-year-old on the court if he's not helping them win games right. so you know maybe on a night when they're resting everybody and he just gets gets to run wild but for the most part he's going to be doing that in the in the g league yeah. so yep all right in atlanta we've got trey young who is in quarantine that opens the door for delon Wright and potentially cam reddish i'm intrigued by delon Wright. it's a name we haven't been able to say this season and yet we know what he can do when he's given minutes we've we've seen it before in multiple stops he's kind of a journeyman at this point but he he can contribute fantasy value, particularly with the steals, and then
2: give you some dimes and threes. So, I'm I'm well into him. Yeah, I, I love Delon Wright. He was a miss. He was a miss for me a couple of years back. But hey, mm-hmm. this is a guy who, like you said, the the dimes and the steals numbers, particularly those steals numbers, can be really elite. I'm expecting him to start and so he could have some nice value as cam reddish also has point guard skills he could get some more playmaking opportunities and uh in extremely deep leagues maybe even sharif cooper gets in there and he's a fun guy to watch sharif cooper okay that
1: had not even crossed my radar but you're you're right and i remember a lot of savvy draft folks in the know when the hawks got cooper they were like that is a smart Pick that's going to look brilliant down the road. And we haven't been able to see it because Trey Young dominates and so forth, but that'll be interesting to keep an eye on. Kevin Herder also probably going to pick up more, more ball handling. Usually at this point, we'd mention Lou Williams, but I feel like he's just a 15, 18 minute guy. Like I don't see him being capable of like taking on a lead guard role. Not that that's ever really been who he is anyway.
2: I think you're right. I think you're absolutely so. right. Yeah.
1: So if you're tempted to go for Sweet Lou, maybe think twice about that. Who who else we got, Jared?
2: Who else do we have here? We have the Lakers are missing most of their (laughs) backcourt. And over the past two games, Isaiah Thomas has been starting. He's been providing some low-end value with points and triples. Another guy that you could give a look. When do they play? On tomorrow, I believe. Just real quick, we have a weird schedule this week. With Wednesday is typically our busy day. I think there's only five or six games tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And then on Thursday, which is typically the light day, we have twelve. So that's just something to think about when you're when you're making streaming decisions. Mm-hmm.
1: And then Friday, I believe, zero. Zero on Friday. And zero games. And then Saturday, Christmas Day is five games spread throughout the day. So it's a weird schedule and we're talking, it's really unfortunate because we're talking about all these streaming options and yet it's not a good week to stream people necessarily, <laughs> right. especially because most of them have games on Thursday, which you're already going to have your roster completely full of your studs yeah. or your healthy ones anyway. So yeah, it's tough. And with every team we mentioned, be sure to double check, roster, you know, upcoming schedule because it's not going to help you if a guy is is in a very favorable role, but he's only going to contribute one game to your fantasy team. So just be mindful, of course, as always, of games played. Let's see. We got, oh, Milwaukee has some opportunities coming. Giannis Sentetecumpo, Bobby Portis are going to miss at least the next two games. I know you're pretty high on Demarcus Cousins, who had a huge game the other night. And I want to talk some Jordan Nora, but why don't we go with Boogie first?
2: Uh yeah. I mean Boogie, we saw what was it? Let me let me look it up really quick. But um He had a nice little line his last time out, of course, in a loss. He had like four steals. (laughs) Five. It was 12-12, double-double with two triples. Not the most efficient scoring, but he had assists, five steals, a block, and of course, four turnovers. That's very (laughs) Boogie-esque in a loss to the Cavs. I don't even think the Cavs (laughs) had most. Or was this before they lost everyone? Either way. I think that Boogie, if he if he's able to just be forced into this big amount of minutes, he could have some some value while both Giannis and Bobby are out.
1: Yeah, they don't really have any other alternatives. It's kind of why they signed him. And he's still fun when he's turned loose with no no limitations, no reason to yank him when his defense is as atrocious as it is. He's for fantasy. He's a blast. He's just out there jacking up threes making passes i mean the offense runs through him frequently especially with Giannis off the court so yeah that's a lot of fun i i'm all about him i fear he'll be gone by the time you get to the wire because of that huge game the other night but if he isn't and really
2: really quick yeah. also i can't pronounce this do you know how to pronounce this guy sandro is the first name oh Oh, (laughs) Uh, I don't want to try it. I'm going to try it. Mamu Kalashvili. Mamu Kalashvili. (laughs) Listen, we don't pride ourselves on being ignorant of
1: pronunciation. Some of them are just hard. Mamu Kalashvili Um, is how you pronounce it.
2: Mamu Kalashvili. So there you go. He had 42 minutes in that last game without (laughs) a... Yeah, Bobby Portis. And, and, he, and he also had a little nice stat line. But this is more of just like an incredibly deep 16 team like, but 17 points, four triples, two boards, one steal, one block, three turnovers, 42 minutes. So he's also getting some opportunity to shine. And you're going to talk about another guy that I like yeah. a lot. I will. But first on, on we can just call him Mamu. I think more than an
1: incredibly deep league, like you said, 42 minutes, 17 points, a handful of threes. So if more of his shots fall, he was six of 13 and he only had two rebounds, but a couple defensive stats. So in terms of this streaming conversation that we're having, sure, put him right right in the middle of the pack. But Jordan Nuora, I would Mm -hmm. put higher. Now he's somehow only 8% rostered Boogie, by the way, I just looked currently at only at 15. So still available in plenty of leagues. Jordan Nora has played 40 plus minutes in two straight games. We know the dude is a walking bucket. He can score. It's great. And this team needs offense. So Chris Middleton's knee is hurt as well. I don't think we mentioned. And Nora over the past two games is averaging 21 points, 12 rebounds, three and a half triples, two assists. So... Why not give him a shot on Wednesday? It's typically the busy day of the week, but there are only six games, as we just mentioned. So I think Mora is a brilliant play, both DFS and season-long streaming. He should be on your
2: roster. Yeah, between all the guys we mentioned, he's the one I like the most. Yeah, I I, I absolutely love this guy. But when he gets the minutes, he's capable of putting in juicy stat lines. It's not just the points. It's also the defensive stats. He's capable of doing a little bit of everything. So I think Milwaukee has a gem in that guy. And I I enjoy when he gets increased opportunity like he is right now.
1: Yeah, and I I would attribute his sub 10% roster rate to just the fact that the Bucks don't play on Tuesday, right? So probably Wednesday morning, you're going to need to make a beeline to the waiver wire to pick him up because he's (laughs) going to be one of the most popular streamers. So keep that in mind. All right, moving on. The only starter still standing in Orlando is Franz Wagner. You wrote that, so that actually surprised me. I'll let you take it from here while I
2: while I recover from that fact. They have 11 guys out due to either oh injury or health and safety protocols. Uh-huh. So basically, the people who are starting are essentially worth a look. I would put it in this order, Chumo Kiki, Gary Harris, Gary Harris, surprisingly, yes, Gary Harris, and Robin Lopez you if you'd have i think you have you like chuma a little bit more than i do so if you'd like to put a little piece on him but i i like him on this roster on this current state of the roster yeah am i'm a fan of chuma well
1: listen it's a much easier case to make when when you're saying 11 players are out and franz wagner is the only starter but chuma's making it easy on us he's up to 40 percent rostered but this is a guy over the past two games almost 17 points, three and a half threes, eight boards, two and a half dimes, four steals. So he's eight steals in the past two games alone. And he has three blocks in those games. So listen, a combined 11 stocks in a two game span alone would be like, yeah, pick him up. Defensive specialist, we'd be saying that. And yet he's scoring the ball, he's hitting threes and he's rebounding and he got some assists. Like what is there to not stream? So I'd put him above Nora even. I. I now, this is assuming Orlando plays, because that's the other problem. They've added some guys. Freddie Gillespie I added in a 30-team league. They, they're adding some bodies, but it still remains to be seen whether they even get to that threshold where they can play a game. So if you pick him up, there's risk involved, given that he might just be getting DMPs. But see, and this is a guy chuma who i like because he not only has streaming value but he has the potential to then stick in a higher minute role start stealing minutes from i mean gary harris not that they play the same position but he shouldn't be earning as many minutes as he is on a bad team a young player with a big opportunity we have no idea when jonathan isaac is going to return so i love chuma because he can give you value now and he could potentially stick on your roster so
2: a little double whammy there yeah I agree with all of that. Real quick, before we keep going on these streamers, I like this rule change that the NBA did. I I already thought that NBA rosters should be larger, just in general. And but the only negative here is, is if we are filling teams with basically G League guys, that means less odds of the postponement. So, like when your guy is injured or and or in pro- protocols, you don't get those games back. Because they're going to be playing. Just something to think about. Moving on to Sacramento, who is without Ratron Holmes. Still with the eye thing. Marvin Bagley and Alex Len are in quarantine. Shemezi Metu continues to play really well. He had another solid game last night. Let me just pull up his stat line. If I could figure out how to spell his name. <laughs> 16.6 rebounds, 3 assists, a steal, and a block. I really love what he's doing on defense. Over the past four games... He has four, five, six steals and one, four swats. He he's a guy that can do a little bit of everything, and I'm hopeful that with how well he's playing, that maybe he can possibly stick in the rotation once they start get help start getting healthy again. I don't I feel like Alex Len isn't too difficult of competition. But but either way, I think that he's a guy that you just want right now because Sacramento is desperate for bodies. They are certainly desperate. I
1: mean, they started Tristan Thompson. It's not a very good look, but hey, Damian Jones is, yeah, you know, coming off a dud, but he's getting minutes, so there's potential there. He had a career-high night the other night. I'm a little disappointed. I was under the impression that Namish Keita, which is how you pronounce his name, Namish Keita, King, King's rookie center. Well, we, as we should, but he hasn't been in the rotation, but he's been putting up some beast lines in G League. His blocks rate is through the roof on a very bad team. I'm just going to add him to your watch list because, again, this is like Alex, Len, Tristan Thompson. These guys should fall by the wayside in due time. They're probably going to turn the young dudes loose. Right. And however I just pronounced his name,
2: go with it. Uh, Namiya Keita. Just, just, just <laughs> keep that name in mind. I like. That. I, I feel like, especially with the Kings being awful. I mean, maybe he gets right. I, I don't know what his G League stats are, uh, but that's awesome that he's lighting up the G League. Yeah, it's another, another something in the vein guy. of like sixteen and twelve with
1: three blocks. You know what I, I love mean? That. Like strong double double and blocks alone, he could be a specialist. So. Awesome. Yeah, throw him, throw him on your radar. Can't hurt. Let's see. The other thing about. You know, you mentioned the rule changes. I want to go back to that real quickly. It's just that they removed the 50-game maximum restriction for two-way players. And it'll be interesting to see if they keep that. That was already up. I think in past years it was 40, and then they increased it to 50 last year. Now they've just done away with it entirely. So, And even a player on a two-way contract could just play entirely for your NBA team. So, you know, I don't want to delve into all of that right now, but that's a topic for another day because that gives a ton of value. It means that, you know, unknown players could rise and fall. Yeah, it's opportunity and risk for fantasy managers. So there's a lot of changes underway. And our our colleague Zach Hanshu might be writing a column explicitly, or he will be writing a column next Tuesday, explicitly about the impact of all these health and safety protocols, rule changes, and what it means for fantasy managers. So keep an eye out for that column on NBC Sports Edge next Tuesday. Jared, I lost my place in this document. Why don't you continue?
2: <laughs> You're, uh, we're at Denny Abdija, another person who I'm Abdija. not quite sure. You got it. Avdija. I think that's your guy.
1: Yeah, he's been unrealistically efficient lately, if I recall, just shooting lights out. But the Wizards coach seems to love him and his defense true to his word is vastly improved. He was saying early in the season, teams keep trying to target me on defense and I'm I'm saying, bring it on. I'm, you know, I'm ready for the challenge and he steps up. It's really impressive. Not only are teams targeting him now, the wizards are assigning him to some of the best wing players on the opposition, a true about face from last year. So I, I love it. And it speaks volumes about his off season work ethic. And, you know, those are the kinds of things that really perk up my ears. So he's he's on a roll and he's getting some defensive stats to boot. He's been a steals guy all season long, chipping in some blocks. Playing time's been the big issue. But Wes Unsell Jr. said recently that Denny Avdiha has earned his minutes, that he's good and belongs on the court, essentially. So
2: interesting
1: with playing time on the rise, defensive stats there and a guy who can chip in a little bit across the board. Another guy, maybe in that Chuma Okiki mold, who. A young player on a bad team who can give you streaming value and maybe stick around longer
2: yeah i like it i really liked denny his his rookie year because Mm. the the warriors had expressed interest leading up into the draft so i was kind of researching him and um, Mm -hmm. yeah he's he's he kind of has a little bit of everything he's a really good playmaker we haven't totally seen that put on full display but over these past three, double-digit scoring, solid rebounds, uh, he's literally doing everything. Assist, he's had two games with two steals back-to-back, and that shooting is a bit unsustainable, <laughs> over 80% over the past two. But, <laughs> hey, right. if, there it if, is. If, he's, if he's earning his minutes and he saw 30 the last time, that's definitely something to take note of.
1: There it is. Okay, you know what? There's a couple other... Names we could touch on, but we're running long, and I I want to end on this. Literally seconds ago, Adrian Wojnarowski reported that Sacramento Kings center Namiyash Keita has entered the league's COVID protocols. You can't you can't make this stuff nope, up. So <laughs> <laughs> so the end of bench G League guy who's called up, he's also in wow. protocols, but. Uh, <laughs> So there you go. It's appropriate that we end this podcast with yet another player listed on (laughs) protocols. Doesn't change the fact that you should keep Keta on your watch lists. And hopefully we've given you a bunch of names to think about streaming in the week to come. Jared, thank you very much for joining. Fun as usual. Always fun. Pleasure to be here. All right. And I'll catch you next week. Adios.